Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, praise the Lord. Let's open the word to Genesis chapter, last chapter, last verse, chapter 31, first verse, chapter 32. And uh, let's open the word. Let's open our heart and let's open in prayer. Lord, we come to you now like children needing to be guided, to be taught, Lord, to be corrected. And so we come to you now and ask you to do all this as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 31, verse 55, and 32, verses 1 through 3. Genesis 31, 55. And early in the morning Laban rose up, kissed his sons and his daughters, and blessed them, And Laban departed and returned unto his place. And Jacob went on his way. And the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim, or two camps. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. Now, so here we are, this very important last verse in this chapter 31, it's really ending with a very sobering statement when it says Laban departed and returned to his place. Laban departed and returned unto his place. For Jacob, this meant that Laban had departed from his life. And it says that when it says he returned to his place, that means Jacob will never go again to Laban's place. That's over. This is a scary time for Jacob. This was a crisis in Jacob's life. As you know, in the Bible, the way this is written, the way Moses wrote this originally, there's no chapter divisions. Moses didn't write along and say, okay, this is chapter 31 just ended, now I'll start chapter 32. That's not present. It's just one continuous. So really, we have to read these together, these two verses, the last verse of 31 and first verse 32, and it comes out like this, Laban departed, returned to his place, and Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. See, Jacob's now alone with the part, and the parting, as we've seen with Laban, it hasn't been pleasant. It wasn't pleasant at all. In fact, there was a monument in stone of the tension where both Laban and Jacob promised this stone, this monument here, it marks a line. You stay on your side, I'll stay on my side. You don't come on my side, I won't come on your side. The parting with Laban was saying, Laban was saying, I want to hurt you, Jacob, but, uh, and I have it in the power of my hand to do it, And the only reason that I didn't hurt you was because God intervened, stopped my hand. Which brought to mind, when he talks this way about power in the hand, it brings to mind for both Laban and Jacob the picture of Abraham with Isaac, Jacob's father, with his hand, knife in his hand, about to kill Jacob's 
father, Isaac, there on Mount Moriah. And the only reason he didn't was because God stepped in and stopped his hand, stopped the hand of Abraham. Well, putting these verses together shows this picture of Laban going his way back to his shelter, back to his friendly home, back to his safety, back to the known. That's what Laban had. But what about Jacob? Jacob, as Laban goes back to his shelter, Jacob has no shelter. As Laban goes back to his friendly home, Jacob is heading for a home with a brother who's vowed to kill him. As Laban goes back to safety, Jacob's going back, going into danger. So as Laban's going back to the unknown, Jacob, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's going into the unknown. So this is the state of mind, and this is the state that Jacob's in as we enter into chapter 32, which is now a new chapter in Jacob's life, which starts off with Jacob in great fear and in great worry, great concern as he's walking into the danger of within reach of his murderous brother Esau. And the concern he's got and the worry, how am I going to provide for all these mouths? How am I going to provide for all this big family, not just food, but a place for them, a place for my cattle to eat, you know, shelter, protection from, the, from who knows what warriors to war, war, warring tribes are out there and so forth. So in chapter 32, verse 1, when it says, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him, that verse is so, it, it, when you read that, I mean, I don't know, you, you read, you know, you read the, I mean, I don't, you know, we read the Bible, you know, in the beginning God created, okay, he created, you know, and, you know, Jacob went on his way, and then without warning or anything like that, we have this astounding statement, the angels of God met him. You know, we see this Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. We say, what? Wait a second, full stop here. You know, the, the, I mean, the way this is written, you know, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. It's so matter of fact. You know, you expect somebody like Kaylee to come in and say, by the way, God's outside in the parking lot. <laughs> it's like, and this is what you love. This is what we love about the Word of God. It's just so sweet. It's just so innocent. It's like a child that, that sometimes makes profound childlike statements and causes us to say, what? Wait a minute. What was just said? Well, this is one of these times. This is one of these times when it says the angels of God met him. Right away, we throw up our hands and we say, stop. What? What are the angels of God? What do they look like? What were they wearing? What did they say? What did they do? Why are they there? Where, where are they going? You know, we want more details, 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 and, and, and we don't get them. We don't get them. Well, the Word of God doesn't give us any more details, just as the angels of God. And they, what do you mean by they met him? And so often the Word of God, we're not given more details, but we take the details that we're given and we seek to probe out the truths from what we're told. Because to not do that, is to just be like the pioneer who for the first time crossed the country, come, come across the, you know, he's going out there in Arizona, he's walking his way toward the west, and, and he comes by the Grand Canyon, and he looks over there and says, hmm, big ditch. <laughs> big ditch in my way, i got to go around this big ditch. Okay, what else is new? Right. See, we're the pioneers in this journey through Genesis, and the statement, the angels of God met him, that's our first look at the Grand Canyon. We stop and say, what's that? So we look at these two phrases together in verse 1. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And we see Jacob, and he's walking through the dusty desert. He's minding his own business. He's got all these cares, all these worries on his mind, all these fears, you know. 
And everyone else there is just relying on Jacob, good old Jacob, good old father Jacob. He'll take care of us. He'll take care of all of our family needs, you know. And, 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 and so in that sense, you know, Jacob, he's all alone. He's minding his own business. He's trying to figure out what, what next. And we see him absorbed in thought of what he's going to do. And then all of a sudden comes this great surprise. Here are the angels of God and they meet him. See, in that picture right there, we see ourselves. You know, we're motoring along in life and we're going to, you know, we're going on our way in life. And just like Jacob, you know, we get where we feel the weight of responsibilities and our minds are absorbed in what we're going to do next in life. And we're sensing how others are depending on us and how we can't let them down. And so we're thinking and we're weighing options and we're discussing within ourselves, you know, what to do next. And we wonder how it's all going to work out. And that's really us in the first part of this verse. We are going on our way. Jacob went on his way. And all of a sudden, God meets us on our way. We sense God has helped us. And then like Jacob was floored, to be met by the angels of God on that dusty road of his life. We're floored to be met by God on the dusty road of our life. I mean, can you imagine Jacob? I mean, and he sees the angels of God meet him, and he wants to shout out, angels of God, which he does. And, you know, I was all consumed and worrying about what my family's going to eat and what clothes my family's going to put on and where my family's going to settle down. And then all of a sudden, angels of God show up. They've met me. See, verse 1 is so profound because we can see in verse 1 another line. Just like we saw that line with the monument where Jacob is on one side, Laban's on the other side. We see another line drawn right down the middle of Jacob's life. And on one side of the line is Jacob went on his way. See, that's Jacob in the seen, normal, ordinary life. And then on the other side of the line, and the angels, and the angels of God met him. See, that simple statement of verse 1 is just like, boom! And you see two sides in stark contrast. One side, Jacob went on his way. The other side, the angels of God met him. And we can just see Jacob saying, where did they come from? I didn't see him yesterday. I didn't see him last week. You know, I just didn't see him. What, what is it? And, and he just becomes aware. Jacob becomes aware that he's living in two worlds. He's living in the world of the seen, and he's living in the world of the unseen. Jacob realizes there's a very real world around him that's not seen. And that was true of Jacob, and that's true of us. There's a very real world of the unseen. It's all around us. There is a spiritual world all around us. We can't see it. But after this day here, Jacob, he's never going to forget about that spiritual world all around him. Neither should we. Now, we see the effect that seeing the angels of God had on Jacob. Because in verse 2, it says, and when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Machanaim. See, when Jacob saw them, when Jacob saw them, he, mu he must have shouted that out. This is God's host. And he wanted to never forget it. So he names that place where he saw that, Machanaim, the meaning of the two camps. So the first thing that happened to Jacob from seeing his angels is he cries out, this is God's host. And, and then and when Jacob said that, 
for some time, not permanently, but for some time, that lifted Jacob out of a low level in life of being absorbed with the normal, ordinary cares, concerns, worries of life from being absorbed down there. And seeing those angels made Jacob say in verse 2, this is God's host. And that man, at least for some time, Jacob was taken out of that low level of life of being absorbed in the normal, ordinary life to a high level or a higher level of being absorbed with God's host. See, that picture of Jacob seeing the angels of God and moving from being absorbed with his normal, ordinary life to being absorbed with God is what we see in ourselves. We get so caught up in our normal, ordinary lives of all the cares, all the worries, everything we've got to do, that even when we come to church, like now, our minds just get pulled away to these cares. See, what happened to Jacob by seeing those angels is what can happen to us when we give ourselves, being lifted from the low to the high, we give ourselves to Bible, now I'm not going to say reading, but Bible immersion. What's Bible immersion? Bible immersions in the morning is when we meet with God as we let the Bible become real to us and we put ourselves in the shoes of these Bible believers and re-experience their journeys with God. That's Bible immersion as opposed to by reading the Bible. We put ourselves in the experiences described in the Bible of the believers, and when we do that, it's just like Jacob seeing the angels of God. And for that time, for that time, we are lifted out of the low level of our normal, ordinary lives to a higher level of being absorbed with God. And just as we, we see here in verse 3, when Jacob, he sends messengers now to Egypt, so now he's back into the normal, ordinary life again, it's not permanent. It wasn't permanent for Jacob because he returns to the being absorbed with all the problems he's got. In the same way, we pursue Bible immersion in the morning like the angels in verse 1 who met Jacob. In the morning, God meets us. But like Jacob was raised to that higher level, so we're raised to a higher level being absorbed with God. And then comes verse 3, boom, back into the world. And then he returns to his lower level of being absorbed with problems. That's the way it is with us. It doesn't take us long to have our verse threes in our life, return back to the lower level, be absorbed with our problems. What's the answer to that? Recognize that's life. That's what life is. It's an ongoing process of coming to God in the lower level and through Bible immersion be raised to the higher level temporarily, because that's the way it works, until we're knocked back down to the lower level, then come back again, the Bible immersion, be raised to the higher level. But there's a certain transformation that will happen to Jacob that happens to us also. And what we're talking about is with this low level and high level is all about what are the greatest interests in a person's life? What are the greatest interests in our life? What were the greatest interests in Jacob's life? You know, Hebrew has a really great way to express this word interest. And it all can be seen. You remember Psalm 87.7, where it says, all my springs are in thee. All my springs are in thee. You know, it's a great word for, in Hebrew for the word spring. The word spring is mayan. And mayan 
is made up of two words. Mayim, you know what mayim means? Water. And ayin, you know what ayin means? I. That's right. So it's made up of these two words, mayan, spring, I, and water. It's the eye of the water. That's where the water comes out. But in Hebrew, that's the word that's used for interest. Interest. So when you apply that to Psalm 87.7, all my springs are in thee, really is all my interests are in thee. And so now we ask the question, what are Jacob's interests? What are his great interests in life? Well, he said what his interests were and way back in Bethel in Genesis 28, 20 through 21. We study that. Jacob revealed his great interest in life. He vowed a vow. Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, where Esau was, then shall the Lord be my God. Okay? So Jacob's interests were that he should receive from God, you be with me and keep me, protection. When I'm away from home, I need travel insurance. <laughs> okay, you, you give me bread to eat, food. You give me raiment to put on, clothing, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, safety from Esau. Then Jacob said, if you do that, Clover, I got everything I need, and then you can be my God. So then Jacob said, if God do that for me, then God's worth having. And so then the Lord can be my God. That's it. Those are the greatest interests in Jacob's life. Protection when he's away from home, food and clothing, and safety from Esau. Those were the Mayan, Mayan in, in all the Mayan. All the interest in Jacob's life. If Jacob could get traveler's insurance, for, he gets his food, he gets his clothing, he gets safety from Esau, so he comes back. Joe, Jacob is a happy camper. He's happy. He has the eye of the spring. He's satisfied. But there's nothing. There's nothing in what Jacob said about, I want God because of who God is. No. Jacob only wanted God for what God could give him. And there are people today who are just like that. They only want God for what God can give them, and they have no interest really in God himself, or they have no interest in God because of who God is. For many people, when you say to them, you can have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can get closer and closer to him, they reply and say, why would I want that? (laughs) I don't want to get closer and closer to God. I just want to get what God gives me. Thank you very much. And if you said, look, the Lord Jesus Christ is the song of Solomon 2.1, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. They would say, keep your rose, keep your lily. I'm, all, I'm not interested. I'm only interested in what God can do for me, what God can give to me. And when they say that, they're not obeying the first commandment expressed in the Shema in uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. There's none of that. Loving the Lord. I, want, I love what God gives. I don't love the Lord. I know right now of two marriages that are on the rocks in two different cities. Right now, for the same reason, the exact same reason, the husband is not able to bring in as much money as he had in the past, and the wife wants divorce. In one case, 
The husband's in his 40s. He's been married for nearly 20 years, and he has a business, and he's seen a decrease in his orders because of competition in China, and his wife wants a divorce. In the other case, the husband is near 70. He's been married for almost 50 years, and he's retired, and he's not bringing as much money as he did before he retired. Wife wants a divorce. In both cases, the wife wants a divorce because the husband is not bringing in as much money as he did before, and since there's less money for her to spend, she wants a divorce. She wants out. In both marriages, the wife wants a divorce because the husband is not giving her as much money as he did in the past. Do the wives love the husbands for who he is? I don't think so. Do they love the husband for the money he brings in? Yes. Does a person love God for who he is, or does a person love God for what he gives? See, what Jacob told God in Genesis 28 was that Jacob would make God his God depending on what God did for Jacob. That's a low level in Jacob's life. What a difference between saying, all I'm interested in from God is travel protection, food, clothing, and safety from Esau, versus the high level that says in Psalm 27, 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. See, all my interests are, and my points of satisfaction was just to look at the beauty of the Lord and to ask questions and learn more about him. See? Nothing said in that verse about what God would give him physically, Psalm 26, 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where, there, where thine honor dwelleth. His interest is in the house. David's interest is in the house where God lives, where God is honored. Nothing said about what God would give him physically. Luke 10, 39, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And Mary's interests and satisfaction and fulfillment just to hear him speak, just to hear his word. Nothing said about what she would give him, what he would give her. Psalm 16:5, Psalm 16:5. The Lord is my portion, the Lord is a portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Inheritance is important. You know, all his inheritance is not houses and lands and businesses and pro- properties and money. All his inheritance is just the Lord. Take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name. But his love abideth ever through eternal years the same. Take the world, but give me Jesus, sweetest comfort of my soul. With my Savior watching over me, I can sing while the billows, while through the billows roll. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Let me view his constant smile. Even throughout this life's long journey, he'll lead me all the while. Psalm 119.11, Psalm 119.11. Thy testimonies have I taken as my heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. What rejoiced David's heart was not things, but God and his word. Philippians 3.8, Philippians 3.8. Paul, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.